Welcome to The Rebound, where we'll explore the issues facing supply chain managers as our industry gets back up and running in a post-COVID world. This podcast is hosted by Abe Eskenazi, CEO of the Association for Supply Chain Management, and Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Abe and Bob welcome your comments. Now to today's episode. Good afternoon and welcome to today's episode of The Rebound, Working with Competitors or Why Coopetition is the Future of Supply Chain Management. I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Eskenazi. And joining us today is Emmanuel Hassoun. Emmanuel is a principal director with Accenture, and he's the co-author of an article by the same name that I published in the September 2022 issue of Supply Chain Management Review. Emmanuel, welcome. Thanks, Bob. I'm extremely happy uh, to join the Rebound. Well, Abe and I are thrilled to have you with us. And, and this is a, an episode that I was really excited to do because I think you and your colleagues are onto something. In the same issue as I published your piece, I had an article about the shared e-fulfillment network that American Eagle Outfitters is developing for small to mid-sized retailers. And then an article from another consultancy about combining parcel shipments from multiple brands to bring down the cost of the last mile delivery. And of course, to stop all of us from getting, you know, four deliveries from four different carriers. Soon after we published that issue, Gap announced that it's opening its e-fulfillment network to other retailers to make better use of its assets. I'm sure they're not alone and that retail isn't the only industry that's exploring this particular concept. So from where you sit, having done this article, you know, what do you see going on out there in broader industry, not just retail? You know, is it something in the water? What what led to the article? I think all the supply chain have been through uh, several historical disruption. You know, we can name the COVID, we had, we had the post-COVID uh, bottlenecks, we had the war in Ukraine. You have overall a very strong pressure on ESG for supply chain to be more transparent, more sustainable, to, you, know, you have regulation enforcing the disclosure of scope three emission and so on. And I think many companies you know, found out that despite significant investment in their supply chain, these ones are, are very, still very complex. They are very sensitive to disruption. Um, many of them can provide limited visibility on their shipment, real time and so on. And well, what we saw is that many of them don't, they don't have a plan B in case of a major disruption. And I think this, this has been a, a, an eye-opener for many companies. And in face of the light of all this challenge, some may say, well, let's continue invest in-house and let's upgrade our supply chain, our system, and so on. Some might say, well, let's try to pass through our source 3PL or 4PL providers. But when you think about it, what they need is a massive amount of reliable and real-time data to track their shipment, reroute their real-time. They need forward-looking analytics, digital twins to optimize their distribution network, be able to, to stress test their supply chain and potentially create what-if scenarios. And that's, when you think about it, it's, it's a quantum leap on, in terms of digital transformation. And Several companies might figure out, wow, we will not be able to invest that much. We don't have the internal resources 
to lead this transformation. So could we do something differently and could we do innovative? And that's where potentially, you know, there's a resource sharing approach comes in. Emmanuel, let's take us a little bit deeper. I know that you're talking about at a macro level, digital transformation, which almost every organization is investing in right now, the concept of shared networks or co-opetition. Give us a sense of how you're defining it. How does it work in practice? Basically, so the purpose will be for different companies to share resources. I would say ideally in the same industry to maximize synergy, but potentially you, know, you could imagine different co companies from different industries but having same supply, similar supply chain need in the same region or geography, which could share. And I see two ways of sharing. I think one was developed into a September supply chain review. And it's, for example, a company which is going to invest in some supply chain assets, like a 3PL and so on, and will open this 3PL or these assets or this digital platform to other companies. The other one would be, for example, for different companies to put in common their supply chain resources. So it could be warehouse, it could be trucks, vessels, air freight, capability, capacities, and so on, and share the same contracts. And here, you know, it's slightly different because it means that they have to put this in common through a virtual hub or through a new legal entity. And that's, to me, the two approach I would see for resource sharing. So, Manuel, what are the hurdles or the barriers to make it work as you see it? For example, and I'm going to talk to retail a moment, and I know you're thinking much broader than retail, but when I was talking to a friend of mine who used to be a VP at Toys R Us, and he was reacting to what some of the other retailers are doing, he said, hey, it's an attractive idea. On the other hand, I never would have put money in the pocket of my retailers. So getting companies that may be both competitors but now need to cooperate. How do you get them to work together on this? Based on my experience, three, three main barriers. You know, first, it's, it will be the internal buy-in. It, it will be the management buy-in and your own supply chain buy-in. The second one will be the trust. And the third one will be some legal aspects. So if we go in, a, in the first one, maybe to detail it uh, further, I think the buy-in, especially the management buy-in, is going to be essential to support the discussion with your competitor to support the future investment to make in resource to make resource sharing a reality. And because it's a new concept, and as you describe it, many people say, hey, why should I invest to make my competitor stronger? You might also have at some point when you share with competitor, you, know, you will have to disclose some information. If you don't have the right buy-in in-house, you know, people will start saying, oh, we cannot share that, this is confidential, we need NDA in place, and so on. Right or wrong, by the way, because when you think about it, if you use a 3PL as all your logistic information, and they have also your competitors, and it's not really a, a major issue. So buy-in is going to be definitely a key element or a key barrier to overcome. When we come to trust, I, for me, this is a threefold. First, it will be the trust that that people have in the concept, you know, because it's, it's yeah, it, it seems to be, uh, it's, it's interesting, but it's a bit complicated, you know, especially when you go more into detail. So people will start questioning, you know, could it work on the long term? Is it sustainable? Is it profitable? And so on. The second aspect of trust is that the trust in the operating model, you know, so you're going to agree on a way to share resources with competitors. 
but you will always have people, especially on the business side, on the management side, will ask, uh, but yeah, through this resource sharing, do we have the best performance? You know, is it, do we, can I have a better return than by doing it myself? And am I treated the same way than my competitor? You know, and, and, and that's at some point, that all these are valid questions that through your operating model, you will have to address. And the third one is the trust in your competitors themselves. You know, how do you align on the scope? Basically, when you start discussing with them, how do you share costs? How do you decide on, on future investment if you want, you want to scale up or you want to expand the scope of service? You know, that's all the type of question you will have to address. And, you know, you could say it seems very simple, but let's take one example. Let's say, for example, you want to share a truckload with two or three of your competitors, you know, then, and you want to do it for a milk run. How do you share the cost? You know, do you do it based on mileage? You know, do you do it based on the, on the load? on the space in the truck? Is it a combination of, of these criteria? Do you need some other criteria? And now let's assume that you have a, a truckload. You also have some accessories. You know? So you, you might have different idle times, offloading time, depending on the, on the street company. How do you share these costs? And you also have the topic of HSE standard. You know, all logistics, for many companies, you have some HSE standard, which would be different from a company to another. And then which standard do you, do you adopt? You know, do you adopt the least demanding standard or the most demanding standard? Knowing that this could have some cost and implication in terms of supplier qualification, overall uh, service price, and so on. And then this is just for one truckload. If you try to put this in place as a standard service, it needs to be simple enough, transparent enough to be automated. And that's where the trust in your competitor is essential because you need to come to a certain level of agreement. You need to agree on some rules. And these rules should not be questioned on a weekly, monthly, whatever basis, you know, if, if there's any issue. And the, the last point that I said was legal. In some case, when you start, when competitors start sharing, you might face some antitrust regulation. And this is where the different participants of resource sharing will have to very early involve some lawyer. Consultant, for example, cannot provide legal advice. So you will need the legal department of the companies and we will need some specialized lawyers to support making sure that what you plan to do is in line with the regulation, does not raise any antitrust issue, and it's properly addressed. And that's, as you can imagine, you're putting lawyers of different companies together is also uh, can be a barrier if it's not properly organized upfront and, and managed. Manuel, great description of some of the hurdles that the organization faces, you know, outside and developing that trust-based relationship, which you identified is really critical to establishing that long-term vision. Give me a step inside the organization. What are the steps that the company needs to take within the organization to prepare themselves? How do you create that framework for a trust-based relationship? My gut tells me that not everybody is going to jump on board immediately within the company. No, for sure, for sure. And I think, you know, for me, if you want to put in place resource sharing, personally, I see six steps. You know, the first one is as, as a supply chain leader, you need to define what you want to achieve for your company. How do you support the business? What value do you create for your clients? 
what do you want to achieve and how potentially resource sharing is going to support that. The second one is, is to find a scope. You cannot cover everything they want. So basically, to support create value for your client, what do you want? What could you share as a starting point? And how could you potentially expand? The third point to me is, who do you, who do you want to work with? Or who can you work with? Well, we know that on some markets, some competitors, they base all their competition on the opposition between their company and their competitor. Would you start with this, this type of company to work with, to share? Probably not, you know? So the idea is really, I think the selection of the people you want or the competitor you want to work with is essential for the future success. You know, at some point, you need to have similar values, similar objectives, and similar scope, you know? And when you have this, you know, you can start working on the business case and get the buy-in because at the end, all this is about value. If there's no value, nobody will make the effort. So you can start figuring out how much is going to generate in terms of cost reduction. Potentially, if you expect to create a service line around this sharing, how much revenue it could generate and show that to some extent, you know, this is going to be self-funded and will enable the company to put in place or to develop a world-class supply chain and digital platform to support the supply chain. And when you have this, you know, you, I see this is a step that you can have also the buy-in buy and so on. And when you have it, this is where you start digging you dig deeper into the operating model. So going back to the, 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 the catalog of service you want to provide, you know, how do you face them? What type of service, what, what depth of service do you, do you offer, you know? to the, the different participants. And how do you offer this service? How do you operate? Do you operate you know, through a virtual hub, through a new legal entity? Do you offer services to competitors? So you buy everything and then you recharge your, your competitors. And the last point, you know, when you have all this organization in place, the idea is to uh, test it and then uh, implement it at scale and and that speed, you know, to, to support the operational needs. Uh, Emmanuel, so are there industries or, you know, industry verticals that you think would be most receptive to this? Or if we put aside the verticals, are there supply chain processes that you think are likely candidates, you know, as a sort of a starting point? I think if you start with, uh, with the industries, I think to me, the preferred industries are the ones where you have a high intensity of supply chain assets and, transa and, and transactions. Uh, so there are industries which can be, you know, regrouped in a, in, in a hub, an in industrial hub, or industries which support a huge basin of population and customers. So if you take the industrial hub, I think typically oil and gas is, is, could be a good candidate. Because if you take, for example, in West Texas, the Permian, you have you know, dozens of companies which are next to each other, which are you know, uh, doing uh, exploration and production in, the, in, the, in a small geographical area. Same in Gulf of Mexico, same in North Sea and so on. You, know, you have in a very small geographical area, plenty of competitors doing the same things on their own. Uh, Another industrial hub could be automotive. You know, when you have a car, a car plant, usually all around, you have uh, dozens of OEM plants, which 
need to support and serve this plan. So here again, you could say, why not sharing warehouses? Why not sharing trucks? Why not sharing supply chain? On, on the, I would say the, I would say the customer, the, the industry supporting a huge customer area, for me, you have the fast consumer goods uh, industry, definitely. Retail, as you mentioned, is also a good candidate. Parcel uh, delivery is also, for me, a potentially a very good candidate for uh, resource sharing. Now, it's come to process, which could be the early win. I would say definitely planning. Because at the end, planning, everything is driven by planning in, in resource sharing. You know? so if you have the right planning, the right visibility, the right discipline, you can improve your scheduling, your consolidation, you can optimize your uh, distribution, and you can expand at scale. Because you will have enough visibility to forecast the future needs and so on, how they should grow or, and develop. Emmanuel, last question, and let's take it in two parts. First, assuming a company can make this work, what do you see are the benefits both short-term and long-term? And then more importantly, why is it an imperative today that we establish these types of cooperation or collaboration relationships? On the benefits, you know, for me, I, I see it as the ability for the, the, the companies who embark this journey to develop world-class supply chain at lower cost. Because at the end, when you think about it, it's instead of having, let's say, five companies developing, doing the same stuff, implementing the same type of planning, the same type of control, supply chain control tower, here you will have one project, you know, which will have much more funding to achieve the most innovative, the most innovative practice, processes, or digital implementation of the, the digital platform just because they put, uh, all these companies put in common their, uh, their funding. I see also as a benefit the possibility to create a new service line for supply chain and to move from supply chain being a cost center to supply chain being a profit center. And that's, you know, at the end, it's, it's, a, it's a strong change in the perception of supply chain. It means that at some point, supply chain, because it generates revenue and profit, you know, can be also autonomous in its way of investing, developing itself, and digitizing itself, and doesn't have necessarily to beg to the management for support. Another benefit would be definitely access to resource, because well, if, instead of being one, one small company or you know having the, the needs of one company, you will have multiple companies putting their need on the market. And because they have the right digital platform, they can put also a full visibility and transparency on the need. It means that if they need a truckload on a certain day, it's certain that at the specified date, hour, the truck will be loaded and will be able to move. Versus when you don't have the right planning or when you have, don't have the right data, well, we know that the truck can arrive and wait for the load and then you know, it's, it's additional cost for the supplier. So I think definitely this type of digital shared approach will be much more interesting for suppliers. And, and at the end, the benefit is overall, it's a, it's a much better asset utilization. You know, we, we, we did some, some project where we identify that companies could in, in increase the asset uh, utilization and asset, you could say, could between from the, the, the truck utilization, truckload utilization, vessel load utilization, or effort, 
from 20 to 30 percent. So it can be significant, honestly. Now, in terms of imperative, why it's uh, extremely important? Well, it's because, because of the, the need for, for more efficiency, more traceability, more cost control, as, as explained before. The resource access is also very, very important because in terms of, you know, in, uh, depending on the, of the business cycle, the economic cycle, well, not so, so long time ago, you know, the, it was very difficult to have access to, uh, to trucks because there was not enough CDL drivers in the, in the US. You know, when, when, when you represent a huge volume and, and, and you have a clear planification, Definitely, supplier will prefer working with you than with the customer, which we don't have the same visibility, transparency, and, uh, and predictability of needs. And I think the last one, and probably in the future, one of the most important is the sustainability. Because at the end, when you increase your asset utilization by double digit, when you show that to reduce your carbon footprint, you can go beyond traditional competitor uh, reluctance, you know, the, 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 the traditional reluctance sorry, to work with your competitor. Definitely here, you know, you, I think it's a very positive message and it's a message that you can even convey down to your customer and which could make a difference for a company. Emmanuel, thank you so much. This is just fascinating. And I think we're going to see quite a bit more uh, over the next few months, if not years, on co-opetition and collaboration. We think this is an extraordinary step forward. That is all the time that we have today. A special thanks to our guest, Emmanuel Hassoun from Accenture. And finally, a special thanks to you for joining us on this episode of The Rebound. We hope you'll be back for our next episode. And for The Rebound, I'm Abe Ashkenazi. And I'm Bob Troublecock. All the best, everyone. The Rebound is a joint production of the Association for Supply Chain Management and Supply Chain Management Review. For more information, be sure to visit ASCM.org and SCMR.com. We hope you'll join us again.